You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Hey, investors, Bradley here from Watson Estates, and you're listening to the largest, fastest growing podcast for Toronto real estate on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If there's a question that I get more than any other question, it is, have you spoken to a guest that can educate me, teach me whether I should incorporate or whether I should be buying a property in my own name? So today we have Cherry Chan on our show. She is an accountant. She's an author, a blogger, an entrepreneur, and a mom of young children. She puts out fantastic tax tips. In fact, her website is called realestatetaxtips.ca, and she is a best-selling author on Amazon, a book called Complete Taxation Guide to Canadian Real Estate Investing. Well, we chatted today about her seven steps, seven important considerations if you're thinking about either incorporating or buying in your name, things to think about. Very good conversation, a good introduction if this is a question that you've been having, or even if you've been doing for some a while, a good refresher. If you have any questions for myself or for Cherry, you can leave them in the comments below. Please support the channel. Please hit that like button. We try and get topics out there that people are asking about, and this is absolutely one of them. I know you guys are going to love this episode. Enjoy the show. Cherry, how you doing? Hi, Bradley. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking time to come join us over on uh, Toronto's number one real estate podcast. I'm excited to hear from one of the top accountants in our area. So yeah, maybe you can introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us um, the life of Cherry. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be invited to the Toronto number one real estate show. So I am very honored. Thank you. I am Cherry. My name is Cherry. I own an accounting practice uh, that focuses primarily uh, serving real estate investors uh, and real estate agents. My, uh, I guess I started off being a real estate investor, learning about refinancing, starting to, uh, refinancing my own home, buying uh, invest- investment properties. And that is how I it got inspired to do more research in the real estate arena, a taxation and structure because I'm an accountant by trade. And that's how I started looking into it. And then I realized there is nothing out there. So I started my accounting practice, sharing what I've learned. Um, today, we are a firm of um, about 15 people, 15 employees and servicing uh, a lot of real estate investors out there. Yeah, no, I agree. There's, there's not a lot of resources available. I mean, you've got this general consensus among realtors, please check with your accountant. I do it too. I'm guilty of it where it's like, please go talk to your accountant. But there's a bit of an ignorance that there's not a lot of folks out there that specialize in investors and working with investors in the real estate field. So that's why we're excited to have you specifically, because that's precisely what we want to talk about. We want to be able to introduce someone who maybe has a couple of properties, but wants to scale and is trying to decide on how to build and structure that portfolio. So the million dollar question that I get asked all the time, all the time, right? And they always say, do you have a podcast where someone is talking about this topic? So just by responding to this topic, we're going to be referencing this episode a lot, whether or not investors should incorporate or buy properties in their name. How do you distinguish what's the right path for an individual? Um, It is such an individualized uh, 
decision to be made. Um, there is cost associated with setting up corporation, and that in turn may uh, deter a lot of people setting up the corporation. So I would summarize um, because that is also the number one questions that we get as an accounting firm. So we summarize it and put it together a seven criteria to help you guys help real estate investors in general to um, to the side. Now I'm just going to repeat my seven questions, um, seven, seven consideration here, but you can always download my uh, free report on my website. Now, the number one thing is what are your investment strategy? Now investment strategies matter. Uh, for example, right now, as of right now, um, if you do, um, some people like to venture out of their long-term buy and hold situation and started doing flips. And if they do some wholesaling, I'm sure uh, you know some, some people that are doing wholesaling deals, off-the-market deal. Um, if you do also um, building, infield development, you buy a lot and then tear down the whole old house or just sever the lot because the lot is huge and build two more houses on it. That's called building your own home and you sell it immediately after, building a rent uh, property and sell it immediately after. Um, those are, those are strategies that are being used by a lot of real estate investors out there, and they are typically considered income. What is income versus capital gain? Income is 100% taxable. Your employment income is income, 100% taxable. Your business income is income. You can deduct your expenses, but it's still 100% taxable. Um, uh, rental income is an income, 100% taxable, so as property management fee. So those are common. Uh, categories of income, examples of income. Now, capital gain is different. Capital gain uh, is the gain that you make um, by investing in some vehicle. It could be a property or stock long-term, and then eventually you sell it and you make a profit. So for example, um, basically anything that's under the category of long-term buy and hold would be considered um, uh, the long-term investment, capital investment in the eyes of CLA, in the, in the eyes of income tax act. And so when you sell a property that's long-term buy and hold and eventually you sell it, realize a profit of like say 100,000, if it is considered capital gain, then only 50% of it is taxable. I mean, this number could go up depending on who's, who got elected uh, in the upcoming federal election. But right now, as of now, it's only 50% taxable. So um, based on that, um, if you make $100,000 of capital gain, 50% is taxable. Um, and, but if you make 100% of $100,000 of income, which from flips and, um, or from wholesaling, that 100%, that $100,000 is taxable. So $100,000 taxable under income, $50,000 taxable uh, as capital gain. Depending on your particular situation, typically for people who are using strategies that are earning income, we advise them to set up a corporation because in the corporation, these, um, these sales would be 100% taxable, but, it, but it's only taxed as low as 12.2% in Ontario. Whereas um, capital gain, um, the decision factor is not as simple. It takes a, a little bit more to decide whether you should set up a corporation or not. So that's the number one factor. Did I That's great. Yeah. So I love that. So to really simplify, I think that was, I appreciate your detail there. I think that's going to help a lot of people. If you're looking to generate primarily income, the income total is going to be highest, best to do it in the corporation. Um, and then obviously having it coming to you personally would matter if maybe you don't claim much other income. Maybe there's a bit of a, 
an advantage to doing it there, but generally income you want corporate for the tax rate. Love that. Cool. Yeah. So that's the number one reason. Uh, number two reason is how many properties you're planning to buy, right? Like if for someone, for investors out there, they are thinking of, okay, I'm only going to buy one property and that property could be a uh, uh, Mississauga condo or downtown Toronto condo, which is very simple, very straightforward. And that's all they are going to plan to buy or maybe one more condo. And to them, those are their, um, those are their retirement funds. And you don't necessarily, if you have the uh, mortgage qualification ready, you don't, like the risk is small. And if you set up a corporation, the cost to set up a corporation is anywhere like 2,500 is easy um, to incur. And then annually, you also have to pay like a couple thousand dollars to file the tax return. If you're only owning one condo unit in your corporation, it, it is a lot of cost to, uh, to take care of unless there are other reasons uh, for you to set up a corporation. Now, on the other hand, if that one property is a plaza, that's like 150,000 square feet plaza um, that you have like 10 tenants, all commercial tenants, that's a different story as well, right? Like you want to set up a corporation because who knows who's going to claim slip and fall on your property in the parking lot during winter time. So, um, so the, um, the number of properties and the nature of the properties that like the nature of your investment matters as well. But typically with one resident, one residential home or one residential condo, we typically do not advise our client to set up the corporation to and And so that's the reason why we sometimes don't tell our client to set up corporation. So based on scale, one of the other things you mentioned was a slip and fall. And I'm sure this might come up later too, but yeah. I'm curious, can you overcome that liability you have personally with insurance or is it not a true coverage does it is there no way to truly protect yourself apart from a corporation so then that brings us to the number three criteria right Perfect. so that's a legal protection uh how much do you want to have um in terms of insurance coverage how much protection do you want to have in relation to what you own personally so I once had a consultation with um, a lady who's in Burlington. Uh, she just inherited like $500,000 from um, her mom who passed away. And, and um, she also has a payoff home in Burlington, nice home, probably worth $2 million right now. And um, at the time she also had a RSP, um, a huge pension waiting for her. And so she's considering taking the inheritance that she has, uh, which is the $500,000, was the $500,000 to invest in student rental. Now, if you don't set up a corporation, there's no layer of um, uh, protection. Yeah. Because corporation is considered a separate legal entity. It can be sued and by and sue other people and be sued by other people on its own without the um um, I guess putting the personal asset that the shareholder owns in their personal name at risk. So if you were her, they are, she's thinking about setting up a call, like, sorry, she's thinking about investing in a student rental, which you set up a corporation. I personally would set up a corporation because of how much she is, um, she owns in her personal name. Now, to answer your question, how likely would that, uh, would a normal insurance policy be able to cover that uh, potential liability? It's hard to say I'm not in the business of insurance and it, it's probably easier for, um, I would say when I go through the insurance claim, I've gone through probably three over the last 10 years 
three insurance claims. Um, the first thing that they do is to look at their list of items and see if they can get out first. So you know how like they look at the insurance policy and they like the insurance companies trying to avoid coverage. Well, like those are the terms and conditions that we all sign up for. That's gotcha. what they're trying to get, get it. So it's not um, a true match. It's not a direct comparable to having corporation. That's pretty much the short of that answer. You, I mean, people can look at the terms and details of the insurance deeper if they want, but I think that that's pretty straightforward that there's no better way to protect incorporation. So. It's not hundred uh, percent protection as well, right? Yeah. It's like insurance on another insurance you have the insurance property insurance to cover your specific property but at the same time you have another ownership there to protect essentially to increase another layer of addition oh, sorry have another layer of protection gotcha okay mm -hmm. so, so, the so yeah so i think i think that's helpful so obviously the insurance versus corporation corporation is your better route um yeah. So the amount of, so, so far, I guess to summarize it, we've got how active are you? Is it income? We've got the scale of your portfolio you've talked about and um, good, good. Okay. Let's keep going. So we have the protection, legal protection as well. And yes. then um, the fourth thing is um, how much you are already earning in your personal name. So it matters. The reason is because um one of my, as an example, one of my clients uh, who own five properties, he owns everything in his own name. He basically lived off the rental income and he is not, um, he doesn't, he's a full-time real estate investor, uh, but he also doesn't earn any other income. So rental income is the only income that he reports on his personal name. Now, because of that, um, he, he doesn't have a salary 50,000, 100,000, or even $150,000 to report first. So every year, his annual income is ranging anywhere between like thirty dollars to $50,000. Now, in the corporation to report the rental income, um, the corporation rental income is considered passive income. Uh, the proper term is called specified investment business income. So specific, to receive specified investment business income in the corporation, you have to pay 50% tax, five zero. So that's a lot. But whereas if um, for, uh, for him specifically, because he doesn't report anything else, so his income tax rate is anywhere between 0% to like maybe 20% at max. Now in the corporation, although you pay 50%, but 30% is refundable over time. And so your net amount that you need to pay in the corporation is 20%. Gotcha. And then- So the so, second layer can affect you where you actually end up benefiting if your income is low to have it come directly to you. Yeah, exactly. So you may as well just take that money out from the corporation, unless there Love are it. other reasons to set it, set up the corporation, right? There are other reasons for it. If that person is super concerned about legal protection, then of course we would set it up. The guy that my client specifically wasn't concerned about legal protection at all. Um, so then that was also the other reason why he didn't set up corporation. I love this because you can actually see that it's definitely personal. It's definitely based on the circumstances. But I also appreciate that you have a kind of a, a summary, a way of looking at it at a very high level that I think will resonate with people, give them something to kind of chew on. But absolutely, everyone should be looking into this with more detail and with the right person. So great. Yeah, absolutely.
Now the next criteria typically is um, the next criteria typically is again um, I guess I kind of covered it before, but the other factor is um, the number of properties that you're purchasing in relation to your own income. Now, what we have discovered, because I'm also a real estate investor and there are a lot of real estate investors that we work with, what we recently discovered was, which is kind of silly, I just recently discovered it last year, um, is that if you buy properties directly inside a corporation and you purchase a property in the corporation name, it is harder to get financing and only certain lenders would work with you and all that. I 100% agree, but the mortgage is registered in the corporation's name. Now, what it means is that you still personally guarantee it. Yes. So then they, they still put something on your credit report. But the miracle, I guess the miracle or the loophole is that if um, it is not in your name, the guarantee doesn't count toward your future qualification. Yes. If you buy in your personal name. Yeah. So that's something that's interesting. Like for those people that are thinking of, hey, I'm, I need to buy like 10 properties. How do I do this? One way to do it is buy some properties in one corporation and buy some other properties in the other corporation. Even with the personal guarantee, the bank only look at your income. If you still want to use the income approach to qualify for more purchase with A lenders, that's another option. Guys, if you missed that, go back and listen, because you're right. That's a, that's a stroke of genius. And I see people going through corporations in order to avoid affecting their ability, especially with things like the stress test now. It's getting harder to qualify. So having these things, you feel like it's in a corporation, it still kind of counts. Not necessarily having them in separate corporations allows you to still qualify on your own. The other thing that recently happened, actually, I think it happened last year. I was talking to a, a top mortgage broker about it. He said, if you're purchasing uh, uh, through a corporation, the mortgage brokers, not banks, only mortgage brokers are not allowed to sell you a residential mortgage. It's only right now, they're only allowed to sell you a, uh, a commercial mortgage if you're purchasing through a corporation, which was a shocker, obviously benefits the banks, but something also to keep in mind in speaking to your ability to qualify. I know it's so complicated, which makes it so much harder to advise client. Hey, there's this option. If you want to buy more, you should set up a corporation. And it is the next question. How do I qualify for financing the corporation? I'm like, well, you kind of have to knock on every single bank's doors yeah. instead of working with a specific mortgage broker, which is totally not right. But that's how it is. Like you could essentially... I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but you could essentially go to Scotiabank at the branch level, which is really difficult to work with, by the way, um, and qualify using your corporation. But then the mortgage broker who's super experienced yeah. with investor would not be able to help you with the same bank. That's just yes. how silly it is. Yes. No. And that's a new thing that's come in. And I think it's completely unfair, but that's a new restriction that I only recently learned about. But that's something you need to consider. So I think a big part of it is you need to figure out where is your, where is that bottleneck for you, right? Like, and if the bottleneck happens at your personal primary residence, then you know, well, then maybe we're looking at corporation. But if the bottleneck happens at the qualification for a mortgage, well, then maybe we're leaning towards putting it in our name personally. Fantastic. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing is that um, people often ask me how they would be able to, um, how they would be able to transfer or eventually one day their end game uh, is to transfer some of the assets to their kids or leave the assets to the kids. 
and by um, so depending on how long you're thinking of um, if you are owning all your per everything in your personal name um, typically accountants would tell you okay you can do something called an estate freeze to transfer your assets that you own personally to your next generation that's typically what it, how it works now uh, in a typical estate freeze essentially you freeze the value of the assets and then transfer it at zero dollar to your kids um, at that point when that happens um, you tip, it typically involves a corporation. So you will sell all your assets to the corporation and then you, um, and then you issue shares to your uh, next generation at practically tax-free dollar. But the only downside is that when you do that and if you were to own everything in your personal name, then you have to do the transfer to the corporation. And in Ontario, when you do any uh, transfer from your personal name to the corporation's name, uh, it triggers land transfer tax. Yes. It doesn't trigger capital gain. Yes. And transfer tax. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point as well. The land transfer tax is actually huge and it's based on the fair market value at the time of the transfer. So if you heavily invest in Toronto, and we all know Toronto has double land transfer tax, uh, if you heavily invest in Toronto, um, for example, I, I still own the home that I, um, I lived in as my primary residence back in the days before I met my husband. Um, and that house, that's a Toronto townhouse, and I so wanted to transfer it to a corporation. But back then it was costing me $500,000 to buy, and nowadays it's over a million. For me to pay the cost of transfer, it's about $30,000, $26,000 to $30,000 off the top of my head. But that cost, that cost is hard to digest. I'm not even talking about capital gain because there is a way to defer the capital gain, but there is no way to avoid the land transfer tax. Gotcha. And that, that's why it made, it made a huge difference, especially for generational transfer. Delaying the capital gains is new to me. I would have assumed that there would be a capital gain. So I'm guessing there's probably, because it's an estate freeze exemptions, is that how that plays out? Um, it doesn't have to be under estate freeze, but typically when you sell a property to the corporation, you can choose to transfer it on a tax-free rollover basis. And then in exchange, the corporation essentially Soon. owes you whatever the capital gain would be. Gotcha. And um, I don't want to take your last point, but one of the other things is um, for the, the saleability of corporations. I hope that's not your seventh point, is it? No, no. Okay. No. So this idea, I didn't want to step on your toes. This idea of being able to sell, again, avoiding the land transfer tax shares in a corporation is significantly easier than selling off a portfolio of 10 properties. Absolutely. That's, um, that's one thing too, right? Like I, like, I mean, the, there's the next level, I don't really all remember off the top of my head what my seventh point is, but going along with your suggestion. Perfect. We'll use that one. Point, there you go. There's number seven. <laughs> um, um, so um, I was re I recently met some guy who does financial planning and he is able to securitize, help someone with a large portfolio, real estate portfolio, make it as secure, securitize it, essentially make it. Uh, kind of like a public company that you sell shares off to different people, you still have control a certain uh, percentage of it. And that is something that is the next level, right? Like yeah. if you really want to grow to that point, you could essentially take your whole portfolio, securitize it and sell a portion of it off. You still can own a piece of it. It's just not the entire piece. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more flexibility in the corporation. One of the things I was going to ask you 
was um, about declared income versus affordability. People are struggling with affordability now for people, especially self-employed, right? You get these, all these deductions. Are we, are we in a better position to have the income declared or should we be just maybe leaning on like how, when you approach that, I know what my thoughts are, but I'm curious, what is your perspective? How do you plan for that? For someone who's like, I have my own business. I'm self-employed. I'm looking to buy a property in a couple of years. What would you say to that individual? Um, it goes back to the amount. Um, it goes back to the uh, individual circumstances, to be honest. Like, for example, I work with a lot of realtors. They're all self-employed. Um, in the past, like, I mean, being realtors means that you you have to report all your income pretty much. There is no way to get around it. Um, yeah. um, at the year end, your, your brokerage issue a T4A for you. So you report the income, you deduct the expenses. Majority of the clients are having trouble qualifying for financing and find the, uh, because they are self-employed, especially for the new realtors that come in or new uh, small business owners that just started their business and they have large amounts of cash sitting and they just cannot get a uh, mortgage. Now, there are a couple of ways to get around it. Um, essentially, um, I've also, um, well, one thing is to work with, uh, if you're buying your own home, work with some banks that are happy to work with declare self-declared income. Um, uh, I just recently qualified, I just recently purchased my uh, duplex investment and it is, I used, um, I use home trust. And yes, interest rate is higher, but in a couple of years, because to qualify for financing as a self-employed individual, they look at two years of uh, income average of it. So you have to suck it up for two years, essentially high interest for two years. And it's better than not buying. Now, the other angle to look at it is that I have a couple of uh, small clients, sorry, small business owner client. They own their properties in the corporation's name. Okay. And they own their businesses also in the corporation's name. So the business um, is then paying him money uh, as a salary or dividend. And he could turn around and use that salary or dividend to qualify for financing. Or he could use his business income to qualify for financing. Now, the then it would be different. Like you're still paying yourself whatever you need. Personally, you don't pay more than you need just to qualify for financing. Sure. You can, but then the cost is the tax bill. Yeah. Don't but the strength of the income of the corporation can be used too. Yes, you could totally go to a, a bank of, or some mortgage broker would allow you to use your corporate income to qualify for financing. And sometimes they are commercial terms. Sometimes they're not commercial terms. Sometimes they're still really good. Um, on top of that, there is some, something called private uh, banking um, or high net worth program, whatever they call it, like every bank call it slightly different. This is the new uh, program that just came out, right? Over, that overcomes the stress test. They've, they're starting to prioritize. I don't know if it's the same program you're talking about. There are so many different banks with different programs. So I'm not sure. But it's geared towards high net worth, similar to what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the programs, like for example, I call, I bought my own home, moved into it earlier this year, and I qualify under this program. Um, they can only lend you up to 65% loan to value. Okay. And, and then I'm required to put in certain amount uh, to be with that bank. So this, is, is, this was with CIBC. And then I also heard from Scotia that if you qualify under their uh, high net worth program and you sign up with their private banking, they would be able to give you a 65% mortgage all across your assets. So it's not just one, so 65%. And it's only interest only. So you don't even need to make principal payment. 
Um, and that 65% mortgage could also be borrowed against your uh, stock portfolio. Wow. So like then I went back to my Scotia rep and I asked them if that's the case, if my TFSA would even qualify. And they mm -hmm. said, no, yeah, your TFSA would also qualify. You can borrow against it. Even if it's not account. with their bank or it needs to be transferred to them. Well, my guess is that you would have to. I haven't gone far enough into the process, but my guess is that you would have to. But RSP doesn't qualify, only TFSA. I mean, guys, obviously, Cherry's got a ton of uh, information here, a lot of knowledge and, and expertise. We could probably go on and on for, about more advanced tax tips. But I think this has been a really good introduction for people that are kind of considering how to structure as they're, they're starting to build their portfolio. I would love for people to be able to find you because I know people are going to want to touch base with you. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you is how to find a good accountant. Obviously, contacting you is a good idea, but is there any other ways that people can filter and, and identify a real estate investor-based accountant? I think as a minimum, that person needs to be um, owning some properties. Yeah. Uh, the, the level of understanding would be completely different than the person who don't own any properties or who don't refinance and share the same value as you. So that is something that I would ask for sure. Um, and then ask them how many real estate investors they work with. I love it. Love it. Jerry, how can people find you on social media or if they want to get a hold of you, follow some of the cool stuff you're doing? So you can find me on realestatetaxtips.ca. That's my website. Uh, I have a weekly blog post that I share with everyone. If you sign up, you'll get my weekly tax tips. Uh, I also do own a YouTube channel, a Facebook page, and as well as Instagram. The handle is always real estate tax tips. Awesome. Guys, Cherries helps a lot of uh, large investors in the GTA. And it's been an honor talking to you and being able to kind of uh, introduce people to this topic. So uh, guys, support the channel, hit the like button. If you have a comment or a question for myself or Cherry, you can. You can also tag us at Watson Estates on Instagram. Cherry, I appreciate your time and we'll see you again soon. Thank you, Bradley. Thanks.